0: Let's take our Bibles together, please, to the book of Jude again. We're going verse by verse through this little book of the Word of God that's written about the days of apostasy and is written for the help of those that are in Jesus Christ, is what verse 1 says, and how we are to receive God's instruction and warning in these difficult days that we live in, I want you to grab, I, I know you have two hands, but I think you've got enough fingers to do this. It's all very close to each other. If you could get the little book of Jude, and with your other hand, go backwards a few pages and get 2 Peter chapter 2. Because it's a discussion of the same thing together of our subject today out of this little book. 2 Peter chapter 2 with the book of Jude, and then if you turn forward from Jude just a couple of pages... To Revelation chapter 2. All these three passages that are near to each other. All is God's commentary about the subject that is before us. And we'll start reading in our text. He says in the book of Jude in verse number 11. Jude verse 11 says, Woe unto them! For they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now this morning we're looking at that little phrase, ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Balaam is one of the most fascinating and really, in a way, one of the funniest stories in the Bible if it wasn't so sad. Yeah. Second Peter chapter 2. Now, we're not going to read the three chapters in the book of Numbers that give us the story of Balaam. That's Numbers 22, 23, and 24. You can read that and get all the details of it. But here's a synopsis. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 15 says... Which have forsaken the right way. That's the day we live in. People have forsaken the right way. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray. That is the, the epitaph of our generation. Gone astray. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray. Watch it. Following the way of Balaam the son of Bozar. Who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But was rebuked. For his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. So there's nothing new under the sun. And Disney just came out with something, amen, years and years ago that was in the Bible. Animals talking. That's a real thing. It really happened. Matter of fact, probably today it would be better if God would let them talk more. They do better than most preachers we have in America. Get more truth out of the donkey or a crow, a rooster. What a message the rooster gave! Matter of fact, the Lord Jesus said, "I could even make the ro- I even call the rocks to preach." Revelation chapter 2, one other thing about Balaam. So what we find is, in the book of Jude, it talks about the error of Balaam. That's what we're going to drill down on this morning. In the book of 2 Peter, it talked about the way of Balaam. In Revelation chapter 2, the Bible says in verse number 14, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. So Balaam has a way, Balaam has an error, and Balaam has a doctrine. What is his doctrine? Who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. The doctrine of Balaam is how... The devil began to corrupt God's people by what Balaam had told Balak to do. Having them have mixed marriages with heathen people, bringing fornication and idolatry into the nation, thereby God would judge them. And of course God killed, Balaam is a prophet, he knows God, he, everything Balaam preaches comes to pass. And that's why they go to try to get his help, the heathen do, to try to destroy Israel because everything he preaches comes true because he he gets messages from God. And he even said he wanted to die the death of the righteous. He didn't do so because he was slain by Moses and the children of Israel. So he died a terrible death, though he knew God. Do you get the picture? And we don't need to follow his way. The Bible says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. So it's not just Balaam, it's people that are following his example or following his error. The, 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 the verse in Jude saying there's a whole crowd of people that are running after The error of Balaam. They are going the wrong direction. They're following someone else. And I I would say this probably, and I get so disturbed. Why do people always run after the wrong person? Why do people always follow or are they influenced by the people that are going to bring the judgment of God in their life and are going to disrupt their lives? Why? Why do pe- Look, you need to find somebody that loves God and loves the church and is a praying person, and is someone filled with the Holy Spirit of God and, and, and that is filled with the joy of the Lord and the peace of God and follow that person. Follow somebody that's following Jesus. Don't follow the Balaams of your life. And Balaam was a prophet, so you can't just say, well, they're in church. I think we've got a wonderful church, but there are people in this church you should not follow. You look like I just said something wrong. I mean, you need to follow somebody that's following Jesus. It'll help your life. And the Bible says there's a whole crowd of people running. They're not walking. They're not taking one step at a time like we need to do, following Jesus Christ. And as Paul said, be ye followers of me, even as I am followers of Christ. Don't follow anybody if they're not following Christ. I don't care who they are. I don't care if it's your parents. I don't care if it's your friends. I don't care if it's in your family. I don't care if it's a preacher, a pastor. Don't follow anybody that's not following Jesus Christ. But they're running. Do you see that? The, the import of the Bible. They ran as fast as they can the wrong direction. It's like this world is... It's not just a world doing the wrong and going the wrong way. They're on a freight train as fast as they can go toward the things that God doesn't want to be involved in. Now, the first thing I want to see about this error of Balaam is the motive for it. What is the motive for Balaam's error? The Bible says that they ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Now, Balaam was greedy. Balaam wanted a reward from the heathen king Balak. And Balak promised him this. Just curse the children of Israel And I'll enrich you. I'll give you more than you can ever dream. Here is the king of a nation wanting to enrich a prophet if he'll just preach the message that he wants him to preach. If he'll just say the words he wants him to say. He will increase Balaam. He will bring all sorts of material blessings in his life. The reason that Balaam's error is in the bible is cuz his motives were wrong. And if you're not careful, it, your motives will what will cause you to mess up. See that the motives what, what what's the problem first? What's in Balaam's heart before he does the things that's going to cause his death and destruction? It's the motive. What does he want to do? What's in his heart? What what makes him tick? What gets him up in the morning? What drives this man? He wants a reward. He wants to be enriched. Now, it couldn't. Could, we know the love of money is the root of all evil, but it might not be money. Rewards can come in different ways. It can come with the applause of others. A reward can be the acceptance of others, or success in other people's eyes, or a bigger position, or or, or whatever. It doesn't just have to be a monetary thing. It is just an attitude of heart saying, hey, I'm getting something out of this. It's me first, not God first, it's me first. The materialistic spirit of the age is really just an age of me first. What? enriches me what helps me what blesses me do you not see that in this generation the apostasy the destruction of our day is that people are consumed with what is best for me what helps me what i get out of this not what god gets out of my life but what i get out of life balaam He wants his blessing. Listen listen to me. Balaam wants his blessing more than he wants God's way. Balaam wants his successes and his comforts and his reward and his helps more than he wants what God wants. The Bible said he loved the wages of unrighteousness. He loved what he got out of doing things that were not the will of God. You know, there is pleasure in sin. But it's only for a season. But there is pleasure in sin. There are things that you will get out of not doing what God wants you to do. But they are very fleeting. They are very short. And Balaam, i just say this. Balaam is a hireling preacher. He just gets hired. That's what the Bible says. Balak hired this man. God, give us some Christians and some preachers that are not for sale. And I'm not going to sell out what God wants me to be or what God wants me to say or how God wants me to live just because I get something out of it. He's a hireling. I'm just doing this for what I get out of it. You know, that that can be true about religion. That can be true about church. You, You can just be involved in the things of God for what you get out of it. But that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about us giving ourselves to God, not God just giving everything to us. It's about pleasing God and being a, a blessing to the Lord. Not him just always blessing me. That's what's so messed up with this generation in religion. It's all about how I get blessed and how I get helped instead of how God gets blessed and how God gets glorified. Yeah. You can get caught in the way of Balaam very easily. Just want your blessing over God's way. Just want what you want more than what God wants. And Balaam made God mad. <laughs> Balaam made God angry. And he's God's prophet. <laughs> you know why? One of the reasons he made God angry is, I just, I'll give it to you. I'll give the story of Balaam. I'm not going to go all the way through the numbers. But in Numbers 22, God came to Balaam, and he told him, Do not go with these people. Just plot out. By the way, guys, how many times does God have to tell you not to do something? (laughs) Don't go with these people. And so Balaam gets up and he says, I can't go with you people. Well, we'll give him an A plus there. So they leave and they go back to Balak and Balak says, just like the devil, he doesn't give up. He says, go again and take more rewards with you and give him more promises. And so they go back to Balaam's house and they said, Balaam, you don't understand what our king is going to do for you. You don't understand what you're going to get out of this. And Balaam said, well, let me pray about it. Guys, I tell you what, you know it's one of the most wicked things in the world. When we get spiritual with our disobedience, let me pray about it. You don't have to pray about something God told you not to do. (laughs) You you don't have to get counsel on the matter. (laughs) And so once again, God said, no, you're not to go with these people. And so Balaam Balaam went and said, "I, I can't go. But I'll keep praying about it. And so, before they leave, God's, Balaam starts talking to God. God starts talking to Balaam, and, and God tells him again, Balaam. I'm and he tests Balaam. He said, "Balaam, I tell you what. I tell you what we're going to do, Balaam. Because you see, God knows the motives of our hearts. Right. He knows. He knows Balaam really wants to go." Guys, do you not see that in our own lives? God knows where we're messed up on the inside. And so he goes to Balaam. He says, Balaam, I'll tell you what what we'll do. If, this is a very, very important thing in in this story. He says, Balaam, if the men rise up and come to your house and call you to go, go ahead and go with them. And Balaam's like, yeah. But you know what happened? They didn't come to his house and call him. But you know what he did? Well, God said if they came, God's going to let me do this. No, no, you just misinterpreted. You just twisted everything God said. God said if they come to your house and call you, you can go with them. But he, in his brain, he's saying God, God says it's all right. We need to quit talking ourselves into thinking that God's all right with things. We need to follow the very letter of what God says. They did not come and call Balaam, but you know what? He packed his bags. And he got up and he went to them. And God is angry. God gets angry when we say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm doing 80% of what you want me to do. I mean, come on, Lord, that's a little detail. The way of Balaam. Lord, I tell you what, I'll do everything you want me to do except right here. That's the way of Balaam. I I will be a Christian. I will follow the Bible. But only to a point, there's a little point in there that I'm going to go a different direction. God gets very angry at Balaam. He wants to go a direction God doesn't want him to go. Listen, and he wants to go with the people God doesn't want him to go with. That's the temptation of the age. Go with people God doesn't want you to go with. And go away in a direction he doesn't want you to go So that's his motive. His motivation is what he gets out of it. But let's... Uh, and then, of course, you know the story... He gets rebuked. <laughs> he, he saddles his, his ass and he starts on this journey. And he gets rebuked. I tell you what, when you get rebuked by an animal... Matter of fact, I wish God would do more of that. He just doesn't choose to do it that way. Wouldn't it be great if your dog came up to you and said, Quit it! <laughs> God tells you to quit doing that! Well, that'd probably shake somebody up. Probably not, though, because then Balaam starts arguing with his donkey. You know he's lost his mind when he talks back to a donkey. I mean, would that not freak you out enough to just stop back and say, Whoa! But you know, when you lose your mind in the will of God, and when you lose your mind over sin, you do all sorts of stupid stuff. And things that should be reasonable and make sense to you don't even make sense to you. He is arguing with an animal. Because the animal rebukes him. The animal has more sense than he has. The animal can see what he can't see. You know what the animal sees? The animal animal sees the angel. Balaam doesn't see the animal. You know what? You're in a bad spiritual state when animals can see spiritual things you can't see. The animal can sense the presence of God. Balaam can't even sense the presence of God. The animal is smarter. (laughs) One of the funniest things in the Bible, that the the, the ass falls down and Balaam's beating, beating the donkey. Beats him three times. He's trying to get the donkey to go this way and the donkey won't go that way. And so he beats him. Well, that shows something about his heart too, doesn't it? And then he turns the donkey back in the way. And the donkey, he he sees the angel of God. He's got a sword. He's going to kill him. Balaam can't even see the destruction, but the animal can see the destruction. Guys, you have got to be blind not to see the destruction that's coming in your life by disobeying God, by going the way of the age. The donkey sees it, and he runs into the wall. (laughs) He can't go anywhere else, so he runs into the wall. And in the process, he crushes Balaam's foot. And so Balaam starts picking him again. And so three's a charm, right? So Balaam is just bound and determined to go the way God doesn't want him to go. Like some people I know. So he's forcing this donkey to go forward. He's going right toward the judgment of God. And the sensitivity of this animal and the humility of this animal is so great. She knows she can't do anything else and she just gets down on her knees. The thing that Balaam should have done But the donkey just lays down, just gets on his knees, just humbles himself, humbles herself. I tell you, folks, we're in a bad shape when the animals are more spiritual than we are. And so she just lays down. And so Balaam gets his, he starts beating her. And so God opens the donkey's mouth and says, Have not I been your donkey all these years? Haven't I always obeyed you? And Balaam's got one word, nay. Now he's talking like the donkey in the... Isn't that crazy? That is so funny, but it's so sad. You know, God has sent messengers to you in your life... And, and and maybe and you dismiss them. And all they're doing is trying to save you from the destruction that awaits because you're going the wrong direction out of the will of God with the wrong people. And God's trying to rebuke you, He's trying to help you. Balaam has lost his mind. The Bible says that the that the, the ass forbade the madness of the prophet. He was he was mad. He was lost his mind. We have a generation that are insane. We have people losing their minds every day. And I tell you what, the farther you take steps out of the will of God, the more mind you will lose. Just look at the prodigal son. He's in that hog pit. You know what the Bible says? When he came to himself. When his mind finally came back to him. His reason came back to him. His understanding. What am I doing here? Why am I going this way? Why am I living this life of sin? Why have I wasted my substance with harlots and riotous living? Why have I left the Father's house? Why have I left the joy of the Lord? Why have I left the Word of God? Why have I left the things of God? I'm crazy. I'd say you're pretty crazy. You start talking to animals. Mm. This is the madness of our generation. And look, we know our, our world is insane. Don't you be insane. We know they've lost their mind. Don't you lose your mind. And the only Bible, the only thing that can keep you in your right mind is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'll stay seated before Him, the Bible says He'll clothe you and He'll put you in your right mind. Which is another illustration of people that have lost their mind when they take all their clothes off. It's a sign of, of, of mental illness. And spiritual illness as well. Don't be like Balaam. He's lost his mind. He's gone against God. So having said all that, that's the rebuke of Balaam's error and the motive for Balaam's error. Let's define his error. What what was his error really? What was his mistake? It wasn't his greed. That was his way, the Bible says. His way was a greedy way. That was his motive. I think Balaam had had several errors, not just one. One of his errors is this. He thought thought if he would persevere enough that God would ultimately agree with him. You know, you can henpeck somebody until they do what you want to do, but you can't do that with God. You are not going to talk, you and I are not going to talk God into doing what we want to do. It does not matter how uncomfortable you think you're making God. It doesn't matter how good your arguments are. You are not going, (laughs) we are not going to talk God into changing what he has already told us. And I think that's what we do sometimes. Well, Lord, you know. That was Balaam's error. Surely, if I just keep going out here and prophesying what God wants me to prophesy, isn't that a crazy story? He prophesies, they want him to curse Israel, he blesses Israel. He goes back, and they say, no, no, no. And they bring him again, and he prophesies again, and he blesses. When are you gonna? When are you, he thinks that if he'll just keep it up, that sooner or later God will get on his bandwagon instead of him getting on God's bandwagon. God's not interested in taking your path. And you're not going to talk him into changing. I am the Lord, I change not. You say, oh, that's a terrible thing. No, and the rest of the verse says, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The unchangeable God is why we're safe. It's why we're helped. It's why we have a rock in Jesus. He, look, the whole world can change their morals. God's not going to change His morals. The whole world can change their beliefs. God's not going to change what He's told us. Your whole life may be topsy-turvy, and God's going to stand there just the same. And you're not going to talk Him into anything just because it's your kids or it's your life. His error was, oh, God's a good God. Surely, pretty soon He'll agree with me. That's not how this works. Lord, I'll agree with you. Matter of fact, I'm going to agree with you even if you're against me. And that's where the rub hits most times. Lord, I'll agree with everything you say in that Bible until you say something against me. And then we're, we're done. The th- second thing about Balaam's error, he thought God could not, have ble- could not bless an imperfect people. He was convinced that God, there's no way God could bless them. He wants to curse Israel. He thought God would curse Israel because after all, Israel's full of sin. They're full of problems. Have you read the story of Israel? I mean, God winds up killing all of them in the wilderness. Balaam says, well, let's just get it on now. Let's just do it now. Curse them. Surely, God, you'll curse them. Look at all all the problems in their life. And this is what he does. Balaam's error was he took the world's side about the people of God instead of taking God's side about the people of God. He wants to curse God's people. He doesn't like God's people. He's accusing God's people. He's convinced God's people are are not what they should be. And surely God will curse his people. His attitude towards the people of God is because he knows all their faults and their failures and their sins. And so he takes Balak's side against the people of God. You know that's what the world does. The world will point out every hypocrisy and every problem in every Every individual that names the name of Christ, they will will present every fault in every church and say, This is just terrible. Why does anybody go to church? Because all churches are bad and all Christians have their their inconsistencies and problems. So just forget the whole thing. No, no, that's the error of Balaam. You are seeing the way things, the way you see them and the way the heathens see them. You're not looking at the way God is looking at his people. Because God looks at his people in a totally different way. And you better just, amen, lift up your hand to God and say, God, thank you that you don't see me as I see myself and as others see me. And So before you take the side of the enemy about the people of God with all their warts and all their problems and all their failures, you better remember Balaam. He thought, surely if I go up high enough in a high place and I'll say, God, look down there at Israel. Look at them in their tents. They murmur. They complain. They've got lustful hearts. They've doubted you. They've not had faith in you. Look Look at all their sins. You, look, look, God, can't you see this? We are way up here in a high place, and I can see all their faults. Can't you see their faults? And this is Balaam's error. He thought for sure that God could see all their faults, and he would curse them. But I want you to go to Numbers 23. The error of Balaam. Numbers chapter 23. And I want you to get with your other hand, please. This is an important verse in this discussion. Micah chapter 6, verse 5. I know it's an obscure place. One of those little minor prophets. But it's so important in what we're talking about. Micah chapter 6. Would you go there? Micah chapter 6. You can find Jonah. You can find Micah, and then Nahum, Habakkuk, Haggai, Zachariah, Malachi. Then you'll get to, you'll find it. Micah chapter six. Would you read it with me first? Here's his error, people. This has something to do with you this morning. I hope you will listen. Micah chapter six. The Bible says in verse five, "Oh, my people." Remember now what Balak king of Moab consulted and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him from Shittim unto Gilgal. Watch it, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. He said this error of Balaam was about the righteousness of the Lord. Balaam did not understand the righteousness of the Lord. Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. So he's up there. He thinks God's going to curse them. Look down there. Look look down there, God. Look how wicked they are. Look how terrible they are. And this is what God says to Balaam. Numbers chapter 23 and verse number 21. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God says to Balaam, I see no perverseness. I see no perverse. You know what he said to Balaam? Your way is perverse. Isn't it just like somebody that's perverted to call somebody else that's not perverted perverted? He's convinced they're perverted when he's the one that's perverted. He's the one trying to twist God's word and twist God's will and twist God's program. And he says, Look at Israel. And God says, I'm looking at them. I can't see anything down there. Matter of fact, I can't see iniquity. Now, guys, come here now. What can God not see? God not only sees what you do; He sees what's in your brain. Now, now something's going on here. God's looking down at children of Israel. He's looking, and I know God doesn't lie. Right? He, matter of fact, it's not that He will not lie; He cannot lie. God looks down at Israel and He says, "Hmm, I don't see any iniquity." How is that possible? It's possible because you've got to understand the righteousness of God to know how that's possible. The righteousness of the Lord. Not your righteousness. His righteousness. Now, go, go to the book of Romans. You know these verses. I hope you do. If you don't know these verses you're, and, and don't understand these verses, you're probably not saved. I don't care how long you've been going to church. You're probably not saved. These are some of the most important verses in regard to our salvation. Now, guys, don't you understand that no sin goes into heaven? Don't you understand that? Right. Right. That's why he said, Even all liars shall have their part in the lake which burnt with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So, is that what the Bible says? Is that what it says? Yes, so not even lies go into heaven. It's a holy place. It's a perfect place. Well, then how, how are we going? <laughs> well, because this is what's going to happen. When I get to heaven, yea, even before I get to heaven, right now, God looks at me. And he, if you would ask the Lord if the devil would come up to the face of God and say, God, look at Brett, look at it. Look how wicked he is, look at his life, look at his iniquity. God will say, let me look at him a minute. I don't see anything. Well, what do you mean you don't see anything? I mean, I mean, you don't even have to have good eyesight to see all the problems in his life and all the hypocrisy and all the sins and all the shortcomings. You know what our problem is? So many times we look how the enemy looks at at one another instead of looking how God looks at us. If you're saved by the grace of God, he can't even see your sin. He can't see it. And that's why I'm going to stroll in the gates of glory and I'm, I'm holy, I'm perfect, I don't have a sin. One... That don't make any sense. Yeah, that's because of the error of Balaam. The religion has always believed the error of Balaam. Religion believes that your righteousness is defined by what you do. But that's not what the Bible says. Romans chapter 3, would you look at it? Romans chapter 3, the Bible says, you know the verse, I hope you do. He said in verse number 21, But now the righteousness of God... Not yours, but God's righteousness. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. You will not go to heaven with your righteousness. You will only go to heaven with God's righteousness. And you cannot go to heaven with God's righteousness by what you do because you're not God. Paul said this, And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but the righteousness of God which is by the faith of Jesus Christ. He says in Romans 3.21, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Watch it. Watch it. 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Verse 26. To declare, I say, at this time... His righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Do you see that? Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Romans. What shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found? What did Abraham find? Verse 3. For what saith the Scripture? Look at it. Abraham did what? What did he do? He believed God, and it was counted unto him for what? For righteousness. Don't mistake it. It wasn't that Abraham was such a good man. He was a heathen man. He had all kinds of sin in his life. But one day he looked up to God and said, I believe you. I trust you. Whatever you say, I believe is true. And God looked down and said, you are not righteous, but I will declare you to be righteous. I will give you imputed righteousness and just count it to you. And the devil says, I don't see any righteousness in God. And God says, well, that's all I can see. Balaam says, I don't see any righteousness in them. And God says, that's all I can see. How? Look at what they do. God says, I've counted their faith as righteousness. You're still in Romans 4, verse 5. But to him that worketh not... But believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. Watch it. His faith is counted. For righteousness. Verse 6. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. He looks down at David just like he looks at Abraham, just like he looks at Israel, and their sin is covered. He can't see it. Everybody else can see it, but God can't see it. You know what that means? That means you can see some things about me God can't see about me. And I can see some things about you that God didn't even see about you. How else can God tell Balaam, I have not beheld iniquity in in Jacob? I can't even see their sin. Why? It's all covered. Hard to see that sin through the blood. hard to see that sin through the blood. I've been doing some staining at the house trying to build. I tell you what, when that stain gets on there, you can't get it off. (laughs) I've learned that real fast. You can't get it off. But you know, if you're, you know, blood is, I'm talking about physical blood. It's hard. If you get thick blood, it's hard to see through that blood. God says this. I'll tell you what we'll do. Drop down in chapter 4. I'll read another verse there. Verse number 22, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Verse 23, watch it, watch it. Now it was not written for his sake alone that he was impu- it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Do you see that? If I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, look at chapter 10 of Romans. This will be the last verse to turn to. You said, Preacher, you believe we can just do whatever we want to do? Well, you usually do anyway. If you do wrong, you'll have a payday. You'll reap what you sow. You'll have heartache. You will. But I'm talking about judicially in the halls of God Almighty up in heaven. When he looks down at his people, he cannot behold iniquity. Because if he did, you wouldn't be able to go to heaven. And the only way you can become righteous is to trust Jesus because you don't have any righteousness. Even all your righteousnesses are as filthy rags and your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. You, you can't be righteous. God has to give it to you. And the only people He gives it to are those that believe on His Son and trust His Son. I don't have my righteousness. I have His righteousness. Look at Romans 10:1, a great verse. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. If you're, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, my, my prayer to God is that you'll be saved. Well, what does that mean to be saved? Verse 3. For they being ignorant of what? Of God's righteousness. And going about to establish what? Their own righteousness. Have not submitted themselves to what? The righteousness of God. All these religions that are trying to work to be better, to get accepted by God or get into heaven because of what they do or they don't do, they're trying to establish their own righteousness. And that is not God's righteousness. You don't get to heaven with your righteousness. You only get to heaven with His righteousness. Well, how do I get that righteous? Verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law of, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Look at verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto what? Righteousness. righteousness. That's, that's the key, people. Who is righteous? And I want to testify to you this morning that there is one that is righteous. Amen. Jesus Christ the Righteous. And I trust Him. I remember that day that I came to the conclusion not only am I not good but I'll never be good so I'm going to trust the only one that is good. And I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and confessed with my mouth and when I did that that righteous one came to live in my heart and when God the Father looks down from heaven and He sees me He says boy I tell you what I I can't even see iniquity. I don't see any perverseness. All I can see is righteousness because Jesus lives in him. Let me ask you a question. You can come in and out of church a million times. You can turn over a new leaf, try to do better, do do whatever you want to do. But if you don't trust Jesus Christ alone, you'll never have the righteousness of God. And God, the only thing he'll see about you is sin. He won't see all the the best you can do. He'll just see sin. But if you'll trust his son, the error of Balaam is he did not understand righteousness. It has to be imputed. So, this morning, are you covered in the righteousness of God? i never forget being in Mount Vernon. I'll close with this little illustration. I was at Mount Vernon years and years ago, George Washington's home place there. I, I'm a little weird. I, I walked through the, through the graveyard, through the cemetery. And I was just reading everything on the, in the graveyard on people's headstones and plaques and all this stuff. I mean, all the way back, you know, way back in the 1700s. And i never forget walking up into Washington and, and right there on his big tomb. And right there in his crypt said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I said, wow. I like that. First president wasn't all that bad. I kept walking through the cemetery and one of, I don't know if it was his grandson or who it was, but where he was buried and there was this big statue thing and it had right on it, it said, as a sinner... Trusting only the righteousness of Jesus Christ for my salvation. Wow. I don't know what he was, but that's what I am. Don't follow the error of Balaam. Don't have the motive of Balaam. And if God rebukes you, even with a child, come back to your senses and quit losing your mind.